The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. We're here at Retreats, the conference at Montreat College in North Carolina, and Lynn Clark joins us. Lynn, thank you so much for joining hey, us today. thanks for having me. I, I appreciate being here. So I know you're involved with the um, Carolina Cyber Center. Could you talk a little bit about what you do there and how your path on how you got there? Yeah, sure. So the SOC is um, multifaceted. Basically, they, they were looking for an opportunity to develop products and services that they could sell uh, to to harden the Western North Carolina area, mm-hmm. um, as well as breach, uh, or, sorry, I should say, branch out into areas where breaches could occur. So that clients from small to medium enterprises, mom and pops, um, maybe in some of the underserved areas that might be looking for an opportunity to uh, have guidance in cybersecurity, would be able to come and work with us. And uh, that's part of the SOX mandate, if you will. On one side is working with students so because we have an academic program here and we have a certification program as well a pipeline that facilitates that for you know for individuals that may not be looking for an academic pathway um, they have interns that come out of that that are looking to uh, maybe get into the nuts and bolts of the side of the house um, bridge the gap between theory and knowledge mm-hmm. and start developing practical skill and so mm-hmm. so the SOC is split into those two mandates uh, providing services such as SAS. Uh, SOC as a service, um, you know, monitoring, penetration testing assessments, these kind of things that we can offer to businesses so that they can harden their their infrastructure. And then on the other side, we have the interns that can come from um, anywhere in North Carolina, uh, provided that they fall into the, the grant coverage, and they can come and work with us and learn about another 200 hours or so where they get paid to learn more about the blue side, the red side, and the purple side. Okay, and you, uh, you always been in cyber, or is this another uh, thing? Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate. Um, I grew up in Silicon Valley, uh, in and out of the city, so I've been around computers my entire life. Mm-hmm. In fact, my first computer that I owned was given to me by an individual who had been convicted of hacking, <laughs> and uh, he was in our neighborhood. I knew him growing up. Did you, um, did you, did you wipe the computer, or did you uh, like? Did you did. look? Oh, I was going to say, or did you look in there to see what he had? Oh, of course you know? I looked. Uh, <laughs> although we could, you know, did he do a seven pass wipe? <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it was like DES back then or something like that. Yeah. Um, he was basically uh, told by the court that he had to get rid of all his computers for X amount of years. And right. I was still, you know, a teenager at that time uh, or just on the cusp. I think I was 12. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave me and a couple of the other kids at, in the neighborhood computers. And I started my hacking journey, if you will, uh, when I was 12. So I've been around it a very long time. And um, it moved into profession. I served in the military. I worked with government, NGOs, blue chip companies, SMEs across the world. Uh, lived all over the world, um, been to more than 60 countries and consulting. And so um, basically I just sort of moved into it. But it wasn't cybersecurity back then. Right? We're talking 80s. Yeah, they didn't have 90s. a term for it. In no, fact, no. In fact, really it was like data processing and it was just a, a part of like protecting Yeah, stuff. it went from IT security to information security in my field. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ran an entire IT department in Silicon Valley at one point. Uh, it, didn't hap- it didn't exist, right? And then I as I went up in academia, and I do advocate going to school for, for clarity, 
um, I'm a GED high school dropout, so they said to me, you could get a, a high school diploma, make up four years and four hours. I was like, count me in. Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm like, absolutely. Uh, later on, I found out I actually did well, and I became an autodidact and also did formal education. So huh. I got a couple of master's degrees, and I'm working on my PhD. So, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I'm pretty blessed. PhD in what? Uh, it's in cybersecurity. Uh, okay. Well, it's in defense and security with a focus on cyber. Uh, so I'm at a, a, a rather decent institution. So my first master's was an MBA, but I focused on counter-economic espionage. My second master was an MSc in global security with a focus on counterterrorism and U.S. homeland security. My third master's, I know. Oh, my. Yeah, I know. Um, it's Trust me, it's been a long 30 years. Um, <laughs> is essentially in advanced security with digital forensics. And uh -huh. my PhD is uh, a thesis requirement that's focused predominantly on defense and security, specifically counterterrorism and how terrorists and cyber criminals currently use the Internet and allied technologies. Oh, my. That's I'm sure you have a wealth of information. And I got a little bit. Could probably sit, sit here for about like three hours and just scratch the surface. <laughs> we could have some fun with it. Now, um, so so you actually are the, uh, what is your actual title? SOC director or? Um, well, it's like director of cybersecurity technology. But, but you run the SOC. I do indeed. Now, you said something which I, I have to admit, I, I've, I've known about the Carolina Cyber Center mm -hmm. and about Retreat. But I didn't realize that – I thought it was just a training, the SOC. I did not realize that you right. also offer services to, to small and mid-sized businesses in the Western Carolina uh, region. Yes, yeah, so that's an emerging opportunity for us. Um, uh -huh. President Paul, in his wisdom, uh, was smart enough you know, seven, eight years ago to, to see the writing on the wall. Uh, not all leaders in academia and certainly not all leaders in industry have, have paid attention to that, and some of them are getting caught flat-footed, as the case may be. Mm -hmm. um, however, President Paul recognized early on that this was going to be a need, and he wanted to move us into that into that realm. So it's not just academia, but the question becomes, how do we take the best and brightest of our production, the best and brightest students, uh, and they range the gamut from uh, high school leavers all the way up to um, you know, mid-career individuals who are looking to change, mm -hmm. right? So it varies. We have people in every age group, every academic background. But one of the unique things about Montreat is that we approach it from a very specific ethical standpoint. Right? We, our perception is, and that's one of the reasons why I came here, is because the mission is very aligned with morality, doing the right thing. And cybersecurity is such a big risk industry. Right? We think about privacy, access to finances, access to just about anything. I mean, everything we do, right? I mean, think about what's on your phone alone. Right. And so as we're training these individuals to protect us, we want to make sure we're bringing the right people in and that we're giving them the right guidances. And uh, President Paul was smart enough to think about that early on. In fact, he has a book coming out on it. And the SOC itself, he, he asked the question, well, what can we provide to the community? And that was certainly him and his advisors and other people that are way smarter than me and above my pay grade. Uh, but I don't know about being way smarter with three masters and a PhD <laughs> on the way, you know. Hey, you know what? It just it just means I'm dogged. That's all it means. <laughs> I'm like a dog with a bone, right? I just keep going. I'm not that smart, but I'm very, very persistent. You well, you, you said something that, that I caught. Of course, we're out here in the lobby of the conference. Absolutely. And, and Lots of people there. It, well, it's a little bit more subdued right now because uh, sessions are in play, but when there are more people, I overheard one of the students saying that they had just completed their um, cybersecurity code of ethics right, or something right. or another. So you, you do focus a lot on that part of the morality of the code of ethics yeah. and all that. Yeah, you got to have a central, you know, what is it that guides you? You know, I mean, 
there are people that will in- enter this industry and indeed do um, that are on the criminal side. Right. They have no integrity. They're looking for a quick buck. There are the people that are going out to your businesses and encrypting your technology. And you might say to yourself, well, why? who cares? It's like I don't have anything that's important that I need to protect. Well, it's important to you. And if it's important to you, that means that you're at risk because it's a way for them to get money. It's a way for them to take advantage of you and extort money in exchange. Right. Right. So when we look at it from that perspective, that changes things. But then these guys on the criminal side, these guys on the terrorist side, these guys that are using it for cyber warfare, you know, they have a different code. They have a different morality. And um, it's important that we bring the right people in so they don't use these things for evil, if you will. Well, a mantra, I guess you could say, that I have in cybersecurity is that for me, the, the secret for being successful in cybersecurity is that if you have a heart of a servant, you will always be successful. That's, yeah, that's true. And so I, I, I really like to see that. I think that we need to emphasize more as an industry on the service aspect mm-hmm. and, and the code of ethics side. You um, obviously you see an eclectic mix of people working in the SOC. Yeah. And what, from, from what you have seen, what are a few qualities of, of students that you've had that really positions them well for success? I don't have an easy answer for that. Um, I think, so could I just give some recommendations? Yes, yes, that's yeah. fine. So what I learned early on, I, I think probably the best way to say it is um, I was talking about, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in, in the room. Now, on paper, I look brilliant. Right, because that's what our perceptions are. Right. You have a degree, you must be smart. You have a couple right. of masters. Well, I didn't. Well, do that's what masters, I thought. You know? Right, um, but the reality of it is, is that all of us have aptitude. Um, the question is, where do we apply that aptitude? And a lot of us don't know what outcomes we're looking for. Right, so I'm very, very specific about what I'm trying to accomplish. If I said to you, hey, um, you know, what are your goals for the next uh, one year, three years, five years, and long term? You, know, you may have some. Some people don't. Right? And well, at my age, it's living. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to uh, understand that. I really, truly so, am. <laughs> Ten years, like, I would like to be I'm alive. Like, that's, I, that's I would my like goal. to make it to, to the next day. That would be fantastic. I'm checking my cholesterol. If you're not, you should. Yes. Um, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, those are the things that I ask students. I'm like, what is it you want to do? Mm-hmm. Because cybersecurity isn't just pen testing. No, right? no. It's, you know, it is nothing like when, when we were, quote unquote, growing up. I mean, right. it is such an eclectic field. I joke that it's like we didn't have red team, blue team, whatever. Right. That, I mean, we called it troubleshooting. Yeah, yeah. Basically is all that it was. I mean, we did whatever we had to do to make it work and to test to make sure it's working. Yeah. So I guess making it work, I can't even remember. Which is offensive, defensive? Blue team is offensive and red team is defensive? Opposite. Ah. <sighs> I always get that wrong. Yeah. But, but I mean, we would do the same thing just yeah. to make sure you set up a system, you secure it, and then you test against it, yeah. usually running something like NMAP or something like that to make sure that you'd secured it and the other tests and all that sure. as well. Well, we stole that from the military, right? I mean, so the Navy SEALs, um, members of uh, CAG, I believe, which is a Delta Force in the civilian parlance, mm-hmm. um, organizations like that have been responsible for little, little sub-teams of testing military installations, especially like PRP, which is securing nuclear weapons. Um, you develop your defense, you put it together, and then you have to have somebody test it, right? Those are called red teams. And traditionally, it's because blue was the United States. Red was not. Okay. And so a red team. Because I, to be I was just about to ask, why did they? Why did they just call it offensive, defensive? But but and I and for whatever reason, I always have a problem. Uh, 
understanding that. But United States is blue, so that's going to be defensive. That was, right? So okay. that's how it sort of came about. It's the same thing with white hat, black hat. White well, hat, black hat. Well, white hat, black hat, I could understand it. Right, you know, well, that, cowboy movies, right? Well, it was, it was black and white, too. Yeah, it's that's like, right. You've know. got to have a way to differentiate the characters. But, and, well, then they also, of course, have, like, gray hat and all that in yeah. there in the middle. But absolutely. Um, so... I was saying, just have some goals. Know what your outcome is. If I said to you, do you want to go to Paris? That's one of your goals. You have to break that down. Right. Right? And people don't. They go, oh, I want to go to Paris. And then they never go to Paris. Because, because they don't know that they have to get a passport. They correct. have to have money. Absolutely. They have to schedule time off. They 100%. have to have the money. They have to have the money. And they have to have the money. That's correct. So, <laughs> and that's very much cybersecurity. Yeah. Well, I think that... It's sometimes difficult to have a roadmap because cyber continuously changes. So part of your roadmap probably has to be remember to be flexible. Yeah, absolutely. And and constantly reevaluate your roadmap and maybe a year. I, I know for me, I didn't even start out wanting to be in cyber, never mind the fact that it didn't exist. I wasn't even starting in IT. I was a totally different career field right. um, that I was going for. But eventually, and then I was never wanting to get out of networking. I and the whole idea of ever being a CISO. But I, I, I was flexible that when opportunities presented itself, I think one of the greatest lessons I learned there is just like um, you have to be prepared for those opportunities. Yeah. So you may not want to become like, say, a CISO. Right. But maybe if a CISO needs to have a master's degree, then... then um, Hence the reason you would get one. Get the master's degree, yeah. and then maybe something will come out. So. And that's corresponded exactly to what we were talking about, isn't it? Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you don't know where you want to go, any road will take you there. But if you have a plan, then you start to break down into component parts, and then you check off the boxes where required. And right. that's dynamic, and you have to be sensitive to that. So um, plans for the, for the SOC? Um, yeah. What? Uh, lots of plans. Um, <laughs> plans that you can talk about for the yeah. SOC? <laughs> uh, so as I said, President Paul has um, some very specific goals that he yeah. wants to accomplish. So um, we know what those objectives are. Hence, back to what I was talking about, we know what our objectives, our goals are. And because we know what those objectives are, we'll start rolling them out. So we will be providing uh, services in, in a litany of areas, um, assessments, for example. Uh -huh. uh, and those assessments could be anything. They could be um, dealing with Sarbanes-Oxley. They could be dealing with HIPAA. Uh, as you know, there's a lot of frameworks out there, and if you're not familiar with it, you should probably check out frameworks. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it seems like every week there's another one. There is. <laughs> so. They change. We were talking about dynamic. They change all the time. Uh, and it's important to know them. I'm not saying go read you know, 800 all the way through um, at NIST. Unless you have insomnia. Yeah, unless you just can't sleep because <laughs> five seconds. So. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're, we're really in the um, strategic phase. Uh, mm -hmm. That's got to work its way down operationally at the tactical levels, and um, and that's currently under development. And so as we become more sensitive, well, we are very sensitive to the community's needs, mm -hmm. we will roll out projects and services that um, that fit those needs. And I assume that your plans are to continue to build the SOC and also to – is the Ph.D. going to be your last degree? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. My wife is like, seriously, dude, are you – are you going to stop? No. Uh, some people have addictions to television. Some people have other things, right? Um, I love school. Um, I love to learn um, skill stacking. If you're not familiar with it, it will open up doors for you, my friends. Uh, learn how to skill stack. It will change everything for you. So that's what I believe in, and that's where I spend a lot of my time. And how would you define skill stacking? So it's basically learning different things that are um, synergistic in nature, right? To use the term synergy, um, basically it creates a... A more functional whole than the independent parts. So, so I think one example might be I've talked about this before that 
uh, I've said that one of the more impactful certifications I ever got for my career had nothing to do with cybersecurity. It was Toastmasters. Oh, yeah. And, and it, 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 helps, it helps with communication. It helps with listening. 100%. And it helps with soft skills. And I think yeah. that you need to have the soft skills so much in cybersecurity as well. I agree with you. And that's really it. You're, you're nailing it, right? That soft skill that you developed, which public speaking is one of the worst things in the world, they, they rank it up to divorce, right? So, <laughs> so when you think about it, um, people have a legitimate fear, an actual phobia of public speaking. But Toastmasters, wonderful organization, I did it when I was young, uh-huh. helps you learn how to articulate, how to make eye contact, uh, mannerism, how not to say um, so there's no dead air space, all of these things that are important that then lead to podcasting. Right, and I have to say, first of all, I mess up on the ums and the so's. So was always my worst one. Um, but and I just did it. <laughs> it gets in your head when you it talk does. about it that. It absolutely does. But every time when I start to do, like, say, the podcast, I mean, even if I'm in the comfort of my own office, I have that little bit of anxiety because this yeah. is public speaking. It is, and of course, never having done it in public like this before, it's like I've been kind of freaking out all That's day. Cool. But it's great just to have like the conversation and the flow and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, with all that stuff that you're doing, the academia and the sock, and what do you do to decompress? Yeah, really good question. So there's a high turnover in this industry, as there are in other industries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would rank us up somewhere around air traffic control in terms of uh, the stress levels at times. Uh, and, and for, yeah, a lot of times it, it depends on the position and the company you're working for, but definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, my advice is find something that, that brings you joy, um, that, that where you find comfort. Um, I'm very lucky. I have a, a wonderful family. Uh, I've been married a very, very long time, um, 27 years. I've got two kids. One's an adult and two, one's two and a half. Oh, my. And, That's a difference. Uh, yeah, yep, 24 <laughs> years gap between my kids. Um, being with them, spending time with them, quality time, because once it's it's a currency, right? right. Uh, once you spend it, you don't get that time back. Um, no. We can't just make more of it. So for me, I decompress spending time with people that matter to me um, and doing quality things and quantity things. Um, both matter. And um, for you, it who knows? It might be watching television or composing music. Find what brings you joy and spend time in that and learn to turn off a little bit. Awesome advice. Well, Lynn, thank you so much thank for you so joining much. us today. Lovely having you. Appreciate me. your time. I appreciate it. Stay secure.